0: This talk program focuses on newsmakers, celebrities, and authors. And now, here's your host, Philadelphia radio veteran, Paul Perello. Civilization thrives on dreams and risk-takers like open-water swimmer Diana Nyad. I want to say what a pleasure it is to meet my next guest, Diana Nyad, because Diana, of course, had been attracting a lot of attention this past summer, a lot of headlines. Here she is in the studio with us to talk about her exploits of the past uh, few months, what she's doing now, and getting ready for another swim next year. So, Diana, I want to thank you for spending some time with us here in Philadelphia. Paul-
1: it's great to be with you on this beautiful day.
0: It is a beautiful day. And kiddingly, I said before time, the sun was out earlier today. The clouds have sort of moved in. But um, Diana is from uh, Southern California, and I asked her kiddingly, she couldn't bottle some of that sunshine and take it here for us.
1: And also, just we have to, you know, get, get correct about this. I'm not from Southern California. I'm a New Yorker. You're a New Yorker. So I never say I'm from Southern California. I, I happen to live there now. Okay. And, I, and and you know, I'm not apologizing for it either. It's a beautiful <laughs> place, and it does have great weather. But I am not an Angelino. I'm a New Yorker.
0: I, I I did not know you were a New Yorker. Born and bred in New York, New York City, Manhattan, Manhattan, up the West Side. Really? Yeah. See, I guess because when we we see you in the Atlantic yeah. swimming from point A to point yeah. B. Yeah. We think that you come from whatever reason a warm environment. Yeah. You know, so right away you're thinking West Coast.
1: Yeah, but... I train. Well, West Coast is too cold. The, the Pacific's too cold. I don't even train there. Really? You know, I happen to live in Los Angeles, but I train in the Caribbean because mm. the waters are warm there. And the swim that I want to do, that you know, the tortured soul swim <laughs> that I've got to do before I die, is Cuba to Florida. So I need to be in those kinds of waters. Mm. You know. But um, yeah, I was born. in manhattan i had two foreign parents and so i did spend time in their countries which is france and egypt when okay. i was a kid right. but i really was a new yorker i was a little new york kid and i spent 25 years of my adult life back in new york and if my heart and soul are anywhere it's Manhattan.
0: So growing up then, are you swimming in like the local Y pools? I mean, where where are you going well, to no, swim? And
1: you're right. You're right. Uh, it came in there when my mother divorced my father for the second time. So that's a whole other story. <laughs> we'll, we'll do another show on that. Okay. Um, she got down to Fort Lauderdale, Florida. So when I was 10, I was in New York half of the year and Fort Lauderdale half of the year. And the better I got at swimming, I would be more there, more there, yeah, more there, yeah. until I, I just wanted to be in Florida and swim.
0: Because, you know, just an observation from being... Being an East Coast guy myself, a Philadelphia guy, is that you could go off the coast to the Jersey Shore, and and the beaches are clean, the water is okay during the summer, but you go down to Southern Florida, you could see your feet at the bottom of the on the sand. I mean, and that's one of the benefits, I guess, of living in in Florida. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, of course. Well, you know, it just goes to make sense that the closer you get to the equator, the waters are warmer, sure. and uh, you know, most of the long, long swims in history have been. You know, in in those warm oceans.
0: So, this past summer, you attempted two swims from Florida. Cuba Cuba to 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 Florida. Two days into the first swim, you... um had to abandon? Yeah,
1: both swims were about at the 40-hour mark. Mm -hmm. Uh, The swim's probably going to take me about 60 hours. But you know what, Paul? It's sort of the way you look at it is uh, like a mountain climbing expedition. Mm. And every time you look at, especially in those early years when Hillary and those guys were going up in the 50s, every time you go up, you discover the next obstacle. What is it about this that you didn't know back home, sitting in uh, Los Angeles, that what jellyfish? You know, how do the sharks behave? What is that Gulf Stream current really like to a swimmer, and you know you 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 wind up running against things that you bigger Mother Nature's bigger than you are that you sure. can't defeat. You get back home and you make the next plan. You get out; it's a little bit better. And I just I know I can make that swim as a swimmer. Mm-hmm. I can make that swim, but I have run up against the deadliest, most venomous creature in the sea, mm. the box jellyfish, that were never in that area. Global warming and oil spills and all killing of sharks, 73 mm-hmm. million sharks a year are killed now. That has caused a proliferation of jellyfish in warm waters. I didn't know this till I found out the hard way. Right. And I was stung badly by the box jellyfish. I don't wish that on my worst enemy.
0: So when you're out there, I mean, you're, you're, you're attempting this swim and you're prepared as much as you could be prepared. But That's as it. you said, Mother Nature is going to throw a curveball at you. I mean, how do you stay focused on the prize, if you will? You know that you're leaving Cuba and you got to get to Florida. Yeah. It's going to take you 60 hours. And all of a sudden, do you start to realize that there's something changing, that there's something in the water, jellyfish, sharks? I mean, there's a, in one of the swims, there's a guy on a kayak that is with a, some type of shark repellent that's keeping the sharks away from you. But mentally, how do you stay focused when... Mother Nature is sort of well, coming that, at you.
1: That's the that's bingo. That's the question, and that's why I have to do this swim. It used to be that I just was focused on the end. I want to see those palm trees mm-hmm. on the floor. I want to be the one who swims across and sees the lights at night of Key West and gets over there. I'm not even thinking about that anymore, Paul. I just want the memories of going across that a swimmer should have. Mm-hmm. I was ready for hypothermia, um, you know, dehydration, uh, hallucinations. Hallucinations. I was ready for all of that, because that's what you're going to go through in a long thing, and I have a lot of experience in this, but I didn't get all those things. My memories, like you say, you know, you, are you prepared for this all of a sudden? When you're hit by that jellyfish, that venomous jellyfish, there's nothing else. There's no singing Bob Dylan songs to get you through. There's no thinking about Stephen Hawking's The Grand Design that I read the mm-hmm. night before. No. You are in survival. You're in incredible pain. You're. It's attacking your respiratory system. Mm-hmm. You can't breathe. You're convulsing and vomiting. So people, you know, called me courageous because I swam for 41 hours, Mm -hmm. even after two of those stings. Maybe so. I did the best I could do. That I know. I don't look back with any, you know, beating myself up for what I tried. But I don't want that memory. I don't want survival. Mm-hmm. I want sport memory. Mm-hmm. I want the hallucinations. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going, that's what I'm going back for.
0: Uh, you held the record for the longest time, and, and tell me exactly what the record was. But back in the '70s, you held you held quite. And I, I don't know, maybe the record still stands. It, it
1: technically does. It's, yeah. it's it, the longest open water straight swim in history was the 102.5 miles mm-hmm. between the island of Bimini in the Bahamas and the Florida shore. Right. I happen to land at Jupiter, Florida. Mm-hmm. But that's the longest you know nonstop ocean. People have swum far in rivers and things but that was in the ocean but you know what cuba for me isn't about that it just so happens that the measurement between the crow to crow fly measurement between havana and key west is 103 miles (laughs) so it's a half mile farther than that other one but that's not why i I don't care how far it is if it were 400 miles it were 52 miles i just want to swim be the first person without a shark cage to go from cuba to florida
0: so you're now preparing your goal is next summer To go back into the water and do it.
1: I have to. I just, uh, I know I can do it. I I just don't like to be the type that quits on something. Like, what should I do? Should I sit around with you today and say, you know what, Paul? I guess the jellyfish could be solved. Maybe there's some kind of material, skin type material out there that has a weave that's tight enough that those tentacles cannot penetrate through. They can't get into your central nervous system. Maybe, I don't know. I'm not going to look into it. I tried. I did my best. That's it. I'm going to move on. Let somebody else Mm. do it. It's just not me. Yeah. I'm going to be the one who solves that problem. Now, friends do say to me, yeah, but, you know, you used the word curveball a minute ago. You say, well, you know, okay, you got the you got the jellyfish and you got the, you know, what's going to be the next curveball? Mm-hmm. It's a big ocean out there. It's a wild place. It's bigger than you are. <laughs> thank you. Have, you. <laughs> have a little respect. And I always yeah. say, thank you. It mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I'm not been a big egomaniac who right. says I'm going to beat the ocean. Mm-hmm. Just like mountain climbers don't beat Mount Everest. They're lucky if that mountain lets them get sure. up there. Mm-hmm. And so." So, you know, I, yeah, there might be something else. I feel like I have enough of an education now that we know all the things that could possibly happen. Now, if a shark comes up and eats me, goodbye, uh, that, that's, that'd be the end. Uh, but, you you know. have
0: a, but you have a great crew that is with you. I mean, when we say that you're doing the solo swim, you are doing the swimming. But you also have people that are there world in prox-
1: world proximity class. to you, yeah, right? Yeah.
0: But if a shark comes up out of nowhere, okay, that kayaker who's out there with these paddles with the shark repellent, that's going to do something to keep the shark at bay. But it's you taking on this mission.
1: Yeah, but, you know, the, the, the crew's important. You you can't do it alone. Like, there's, there's no mountain climber who will ever tell you that without his Sherpa from Nepal, who carried all his oxygen and his food, and didn't, by the way, have the uh, $1,400 boots mm-hmm. that the guy had. Um, they make it up there as a team. And I have a team, and these are world-class people. The sharks, for instance. Yeah, you mentioned these kayaks that are, you know, dangling below them are this thing called the shark shield. Mm-hmm. So picture it. It's an electronic device about the big of the palm of your hand. Okay. That's all. It weighs mm-hmm. four pounds. Right. And it has a tail on it. It's a, it's a, it's a you know, look like it's a a four foot long real skinny tail and that device emanates through the tail a 12 foot Elliptical field of electricity So I got two of those paddlers next to me And that electricity Does bother some sharks We've seen the films, we've tested it CNN tested it Mm -hmm. And you know, some sharks Like the dangerous uh, tiger sharks Mm -hmm. They don't like that field at all They'll arch their backs and writhe And get away from it, that's great The oceanic white tip Which is not the great white shark But Mm -hmm. oceanic white tip is very aggressive And quick, it doesn't care about that electricity it comes right through it. Wow! And they're curious. They'll come up. I'm not saying they're attacking me, mm-hmm. but they'll come up and bump. And I have guys on the board. One guy's name is Luke Tippel. He's a shark lover. He's a conserve. what is it, What do they call it? He's, he's out there to work for the conservation of sharks. Right. So he's he doesn't have any lethal uh, uh, gear with him. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have a gun. He doesn't have a spear gun. He just knows these animals so well that even in a pitch black at night where my trainer says, oh, well, I guess we're supposed to be confident that these guys know that. Their behavior, I, I, I don't, I can't see a thing. I can't even see my in front of my right. face but he says that they would not come up just unannounced and take your leg mm-hmm. they wouldn't do it they're predators who have to watch out for their own lives and they hear all these boats they sense this electricity around they're curious about this floundering flopping animal right. that's me right. maybe it's going to take a little taste but not before it shows itself a few times and bumps a few times mm-hmm. in which case they'll come in and they'll curious when they'll give them a little bit of chum and bait mm-hmm. they'll mm-hmm. swim away with them And they believe that they can keep me safe all the way across. So they told me they told me I'm safe, and I'm going to go with that.
0: (laughs) That's their story, and that's that's what they're sticking with. I I have to go with it.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. The CNN uh, people uh, under Sanjay Gupta followed me for two years, and they produced a very powerful documentary. It's all about hope, but it has all the details, the eccentricities of the swim.
0: The other thing I you know I I am amazed at how documentary filmmakers do their craft because and I've interviewed a number of them. It's it's about getting the, the reality of the story. I mean, you know, you talk about reality television. I mean, this is really capturing the moment, if you will, without affecting what's going on. So here's CNN uh, tracking your exploits, if you will. And you may or may not be aware that there's this camera crew that's following you all the time, but now they put it into a documentary form, and it really tells your story. I mean, warts and all, because anybody that sets out on a mission wants to accomplish the goal. Here you are, not once but twice, having to wave the white flag, for, for sake of a uh, better phrase here or a better term. But, uh, I mean, but th- the story that we get out of this is your determination, your will, your your fight for survival, and, and, and just how what a gut-wrenching decision it was for you to have to abandon your trip on two different occasions. It was. That is pretty remarkable
1: it was and you know and you're you're really using just all the right emotional terms that that i felt gut wrenching is it you know because people and say to me you this wasn't a failure you've got to be proud of what you did and i am don't mm-hmm. get me wrong i stand tall you know there there wasn't there wasn't a moment that we didn't make the most valiant effort possible first time 40 hours next time 41 hours under circumstances nobody else is going to swim through mm-hmm. me and the crew you know all of us did but look at cnn You're right. They have to tell whatever story they saw in front of them. I'm sure that they would have loved. Do I have a walk up on the shore? Wouldn't I have loved that? Sure. I want that. But, you know, and they they look at me, the humor now is okay, we spent two years following this story. Now you're going again and I said, you know I, I don't want to be the crazy lady. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be in here talking to you like every year saying what well, just one more try. <laughs> I, I hope it's just one more and we get over there. but um you know I you said something that, that I never thought of this before, but you said with all this reality television, I'm surprised that within those television blocks that documentary films have if people want to watch, Reality, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, you know, and they're non promotional. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, why don't documentary films make it into the lineup on primetime television? You know, yeah, you, but- they take you all around the world to everything that's happening with the most interesting people doing them, but like a fly on the wall. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know that I'd sit down to watch Docs at Night if yeah. I had that choice.
0: And your drama is real drama, it's not necessarily. Uh, connived drama oh, no, because of ratings. I mean, yeah. so when we're seeing the um, the excruciating pain that yeah. you're in because of not one but two yeah. jellyfish bites, I mean, that's that's real. That's not somebody saying, "Okay, Diana, we need you to react this way to this situation."
1: Well, I think that's what, frankly, what people have responded to. Two years ago, I sat down with the five people closest to me in my life, and I said, "This is a little crazy. I'm 60 years old. That mm-hmm. was two years ago. Right. Uh, I haven't swum in 30 years. That was my thing. Now I've been doing all kinds of other stuff, but I." I always had this dream looming above me of Cuba it was my dream mm-hmm. to make it across and now that I'm 60 I'm kind of pissed off at being 60 I don't like <laughs> it and I want to feel dedicated to something I want to have to be the best of myself mm-hmm. what am I gonna do I'm looking around and I think that's what I'll do mm-hmm. I'll swim from Cuba to Florida I'll finally do it all these 30 years later I'll do it and as I started to get ready for it sure enough just everything positive has happened because I've been authentic in it mm-hmm. I'm not trying to create an image I'm not trying to look smart or pretty God knows if you you see the pictures in the CNN documentary. That's real documentary stuff. I like
0: the swim cap, though. It really makes the, it really makes for the great.
1: Oh my God! You know, thank God my mother isn't still alive. She was a French woman that looks were everything to her, and that you know. So the swimming doesn't make you pretty, but um, you know, it is authentic. And all these people, I guess there were 1.3 million Twitter followers mm-hmm. during the second swim. Well, you know what? They're not swimmers. They're not even athletes. They don't care about the athletic record. They're feeling this authentic human being who's. who's Who's, who's shooting for the stars mm. and maybe it's impossible but just won't give up won't give up for the 41 hours won't give up till she does it next year yep. and that's what they need to hear a lot of people without hope in this world right now
0: you're absolutely you know, right yeah. There. Yeah. and
1: they're looking to say i want her to get to that other shore mm-hmm. not for sports for human endeavor
0: mm-hmm. because if if you can do it if you can and regardless of age if you do it then that gives hope to somebody else. They they may not want to swim from from Florida to Cuba or Cuba to Florida, but there may be little trips or little steps that they need to take along the way that – you inspire them to take those little steps if you will.
1: That's it and I think even without doing it you know I, I can sit here right now and I hear from thousands of people who say you know I need to look back. at. I, we're all disappointed. Mm-hmm. That's what light, you know we go through more disappointments than we do big celebrations sure. usually. Mm-hmm. So you know your marriage doesn't make it or God forbid something happens to a child of yours or work doesn't work out. How many people I know the smartest people I know are out of work. Mm-hmm. You know it's just that kind of time and mm-hmm. we'll have the USA. Yep. Look at Occupy Wall Street. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So people need to look back and not feel like the marriage, the job, all of it was just a bunch of garbage and wasn't worth doing. They have to look back and say, I put myself into that thing. Mm-hmm. I'm proud of the way I comported myself. You know, I showed my, I showed, I showed, showed who I was. And now it didn't work out in the end. I'm going to move on. So even if I weren't going for that swim, I think I've shown just how to live a life mm-hmm. and shown myself to start with. That's why I said when I turned 60, I thought I don't want to go to my mom died at 82. So if I'm going to die at 82, I got 22 more years, and I don't want to go down looking back saying, "Oh, you know, I just didn't do that much, and I sat around on the couch." And you know, I'm going to I'm going to grab the gusto and live with passion. Make it to the other shore or not, I'm going to live that way.
0: A few other questions, because you've opened up so many different areas for me to go in, but number one, when you're in the water on these two trips that you were on, are you cognizant, are you aware of, or are you just focused on the prize here, but are you aware of all those Twitter followers? I mean, we talked about the, no. the cameras. On. Oh, no. So you're focused on your mission. Oh,
1: yeah, but 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 unfortunately, it's even worse than that. Usually, if it really were just the mission without the jellyfish, right. I would just be focused on the mission. And I've got all kinds of counting systems and singing systems, and and then your brain goes into right-lobe thinking, and you're thinking of the expansion of the universe and and, um, the meaning of life and all these things. But I never even got to those. So so even at then, I'm not thinking of Twitter followers. No. I mean, I'm very... I'm uh, I'm honored that anybody cares and that they're rooting for me. That's great, but I find that out later. And that's great. But um, I'm just with my team, communicating with Bonnie, my main Mm -hmm. handler, and we're just just tight. We're just saying, what do you need right now? Let's get through this next hour. But when the jellyfish hit, Paul, I just... I can't describe it. It's like science fiction. I've been stung by a lot. I've been out there for years. I've been stung by a lot of jellyfish, but they just kind of rip across the hand or mm-hmm. the arm, and, and you can yell out a couple of obscenities, and five, 10, 15 minutes later, it starts to subside. That's one thing. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. That's not the box jellyfish. Mm-hmm. They are trying to take you down. They're they they're, they're going to kill a fish instantly mm-hmm. because their barbs, hundreds of thousands of harpoons on every whip, those barbs go up. They send a venom up into your central nervous system, they're paralyzing your heart and your lungs. So, I was dealing with oh, I'm on fire, I'm on fire, somebody help me, I'm on fire. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. one, two, three, four, five. I was just, that's what I wasn't dealing with. Oh, the prize, mm-hmm. the prize wasn't even there anymore, right? Some internal will made me keep swimming for 41 hours after two of these major stings Mm. so but it wasn't that what i want which is eye on the prize Mm -hmm. you know get through it okay you're a little cold figure it out Mm -hmm. okay you're feeling sick to your stomach figure it out okay your brain is going crazy and you're seeing things that aren't there figure it out have your team like a boxer in the ring they figure it out let's let's get you back in there Mm -hmm. and that's what the sport's about not the you know venomous deadly jellyfish so uh, I I that's that's when I solve that I want to get back to I on the prize
0: where do you you give people so much inspiration you are a source of inspiration for so many people where do you draw your inspiration from
1: you know that that's a great question, and and early on, I, and I won't I won't say that I know why. It's like you know anybody who has children, you think that you're going to make them into what you want, and mm. you look over, they're five years old, and you go, what who is this little alien in my house? He's got his own personality. He's got a will. Like who, where did he get that from? Right. So I you know I can't say honestly, but I know that I had a feeling early on of. Defiance. I've always been that square peg in the round hole. I love it when you say, well, you know, this isn't the smartest move for your career. Don't do this. And I say, oh, yeah, watch me. Get out of the way. That's what I'm going to do. And um, – you know, I suffered uh, sexual abuse as a kid, and the coach who molested me as a kid, and many, many, many others now that we know it, was fired from that high school, but he was let go, and he was hired by the college, the university, right down the road. This high school principal never told the college you know, president, look, the reason we fired him over here, he was afraid it was embarrassing. It's, it's horrible to talk about sexual abuse when you get down to this. That's why most women don't want to go on stand. They mm-hmm. don't want to have to tell that graphic story over and over and over and not to talk about women. But um, I'm getting around to I think that once I I survived that sexual abuse, I think there was a little soldier in me that said never again. I'm going to be my own strong person, mm. and I'm going to be unstoppable. Yeah, you know, I think there's a little of that in there. Mm-hmm.
0: For victims of sexual abuse, listening to this program, listening to any program, they may even, uh, I know, oftentimes they repress feelings because um, they don't know how to how to deal with it. What what do you say to kids, women, guys that may have been victims, did not come forward or can't come forward? I mean. You've walked in those shoes. You know better than anybody else. It takes, you know, you talk about taking that, that big step, that big leap. How do you get them to say, I, I got to come forward. I got to tell somebody what happened here.
1: Yeah, you know, every case is different. And I'm not saying that you necessarily have to go back, if it's so many years ago, Mm -hmm. to prosecute those particular people. A lot of them have died. If your your mental health depends on them being punished, you're in a bad place. You know, my coach skated free. Mm -hmm. It's just the law at those times in the 60s were different laws. Um, He skated free, even though almost everybody in his community knows Mm -hmm. what he did. So he's a pariah in some ways, and he's still a hero in others. But there's a moral obligation. So that's that end of it, that, you Mm -hmm. know, at the time, if you know anything, I got to go tell somebody. I got to tell the president. I got to tell the cops. You know, we Mm -hmm. got somebody's got to take charge. So, you know, unfortunately, that's the situation there. But for anybody who's gone through it, uh, I tell you, there are people, when I speak about it at speeches, which I do sometimes, um, people come up to me in their 80s, men and women alike. We always think, oh, it's just a women's thing, but now we're learning Mm -hmm. it's not. You know, what's the new statistic? One in four girls, one in six boys in this country, by the time they're 18, have had a sexual molestation by someone they know. Mm. I mean, it's an epidemic. So when I look out into a sea of people and I talk about it, I know I'm looking out into one in four women and one in six men. Mm -hmm. But where are the perpetrators? When I'm looking out there, you know, are they not one of them is the perpetrators? Mm -hmm. No somebody in that it's the guy next door it's the charismatic guy at the uh at the bank mm-hmm. i mean it's you know it's it's everywhere in our society sure. but I, i'm not really answering your question i think i for me i can't i can't counsel other people being open not necessarily to, to go back and do the prosecuting but just for your own self telling your friends telling your family and just saying this was wrong and this happened to me and i was left with some bitterness some ba- bad news in my relationships uh whatever it is anger you know because how How are you going to work through it if you bottle it all up and pretend it never happened? And I think it's harder for boys to talk about than girls, especially if it's been a homosexual attack and they're not homosexual. That's a tough road to go to admit to that stuff.
0: Yeah, I think simply because of where we are as a society, not to say, I mean, all all sexual abuse is wrong, period. But it seems that because guys are supposed to be the strong figures of... A, it's not supposed to happen to them. Well, it's not supposed to happen to anybody for that matter. But uh, men are supposed to either fight it off or be bigger than. But I think there's some, and we saw Tyler Perry like last year come out with the fact that he, uh, I mean, here's a very well-known entertainer come out and admit that he was the victim of, you know, of of abuse. I think you're right. It's very difficult for men to, to step up and say that. I'm a victim.
1: It's difficult and, and because it's tied to the homosexuality because it's different if you're, you know, there, there's a difference too. If a, you know, you're walking down a dark alley at night mm-hmm. and somebody jumps out and clubs you over the head and, and you get raped but you never see that person right. again, well then that's easier to admit to. You know, just say I was violated. But if you're, you know, 10 years old and it goes to 14 mm-hmm. or you're 14 and it goes to 17 this is a big problem for me I'm beating myself up my whole life why didn't I stop it? I was a as big and strong as i am now at 14 mm-hmm. i was a big champion swimmer so there now they have to say i you know i did it all those times i let it be done to me all those times well then why mm-hmm. there must have been something you liked about it maybe you're gay yourself mm-hmm. you know yeah and it's it's you know it's not they were they're, it's twist these guys are charismatic they're 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 like con artists mm-hmm. and they talk you into it with the boys often it's with gifts you love this cool little uh electronic thing play with that in the corner and then you know mm-hmm. uh, and I'll give you this and I'll say, well, girls, it's more like, I love you. Mm-hmm. You're the, you're the, you're the, you're the, you're the, you're my soul. I wish I didn't have my wife. Sure. I wish I had you and don't, but the, but one thing they do with the boys and the girls and they're good at it is this is our secret mm-hmm. and this is special. You're special. I chose you. And you're special now. And we don't, you know, as an adult now, I'm mad at myself. But I wasn't mad at myself then. I was terrified sure. and humiliated and under the thumb of the person I thought was the greatest person in the world, my coach. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's twisted.
0: We're talking with uh, Diana Nyad. When will you start getting ready for next summer's swim.
1: I'm training already. Are I mean, you? you know, it's light. You know, I only finished this thing like six weeks ago, mm-hmm. so there was some emotional trauma I went through, and uh, but the physical wasn't too bad, and already I'm doing three, four hour swims a week, and three to four hours of uh, land exercises, mm-hmm. you know, core and all that mm-hmm. stuff on the, on the other days. And once uh, December comes, I'll ratchet that up a little, make it three, five hour swims. January, I start getting down to the Caribbean, getting in eight hour swims in the ocean, and that escalates, so that about May I'll do a couple of 15-hour swims okay so so it's from January to May it'll be 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 building up those swims and doing them frequently mm-hmm. uh, down in St. Martin okay yeah yeah and I mean so Joe, Joe Frazier had tough uh, what the Poconos for his training camps. that's right yeah. I, I got St. Martin in the Caribbean it's not so bad
0: <laughs> no it's not so when will the? I mean is there a date set yet you
1: can't set a date you because can't? you gotta wait for weather but I'll have to wait till about the middle of July and you know what Paul um, there are people coming out of the woodwork who want to do this swim now. They saw how much publicity I got. Um, it's a big ocean. It's not my ocean. Mm-hmm. So I can't tell them not to do it, ask them not to do it, even though it's my dream. Sure. And, um, and I know what they think they're going to get from it is the publicity. And what can I say? Mm-hmm. I have to say, good luck. I, I got to do it anyway. Yeah. Even if you do it before me, I still have to do it. You know, it would be cool if they let me, if, yeah. they, if they said, you know what, let's give this the old lady one more chance, and then, <laughs> then I'll go once she gets it done. But I, I doubt that'll happen.
0: Well, uh, we want to wish you well. Thank and you. Uh, we will be watching. Thank you. And we will be uh, waiting for you to arrive in Florida with our hands clapping right and, and, and waving you on, because uh, I know if anybody can do it, it's you, Diana Nyad.
1: That's so sweet, Paul. It's, it's such a pleasure to talk to you. Same here. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah.
0: Thank you. You've been listening to Studio 89.7, a monthly program that focuses on newsmakers, celebrities, and authors. Please tune in on the second Saturday of every month at 9 a.m. for another edition of Studio 89.7, only on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM.